This is Michael Cohen, and you're listening to a special broadcast of the Mayor Culpa podcast. Our democracy is in uncharted territory. The people versus Donald Trump has been a long time coming. Today, at Trump's arraignment, Alvin Bragg in the Manhattan District Attorney's Office charged the former president with a whopping 34 felony charges of falsifying business records, proving that no man is above the law. And that while the office of the presidency has been tarnished, our system is not broken. Trump left Mar-a-Lago late Monday afternoon to vague fanfare. I mean, along the route to Trump Force One, Trumpers lined the highway in red hats and flags. But I'm sure the display was too tame to give the former president much solace. Since the indictment, Trump had been crying to anyone who listened that he was being politically persecuted by a petty district attorney who was out to get him. As his arraignment drew closer, his persecution complex morphed, and he began to market himself as Jesus Christ being nailed to a cross. According to Vanity Fair, he was even offered a chance to surrender quietly and be arraigned over Zoom. But the idiot chose a midday high-profile booking at the Manhattan courthouse in order to make it clear that he was being crucified. Tuesday, before Trump's scheduled arraignment, crowds were gathering in the streets outside the Manhattan courthouse. And during an interview from her SUV, Marjorie Taylor Greene echoed the former president's claims, saying, and I quote, Trump was joining some of the most amazing people in history, Nelson Mandela and Jesus Christ, who was arrested and murdered. I mean, Marge leaped out of her SUV to jeers of lock her up, which was fitting since she was auditioning to run as Trump's vice president. The irony of Trump being indicted in New York isn't lost on those who really know him. The Trump team has been trying to frame his indictment as election interference, and it appears to have worked in the short term because they claim that they managed to raise $7 million in the last two days. So I guess victimization pays. But don't read anything into his surge in the polls, because thus far, he's the only one that's running. After Marjorie Taylor Greene came and went, Trump threw a fist in the air and his motorcade left Trump Tower. There were reportedly as many as 35,000 officers, New York's finest, ready to be deployed should they be needed. Luckily, they weren't needed at all. Though there was a massive Secret Service present, I mean, from his SUV, Trump wrote on Truth Social, and I quote, This is surreal. He emerged at the courthouse looking serious, his hair white. I mean, he didn't have his mugshot taken, and no cameras were admitted into the courtroom as requested by the Trump team. He entered the courtroom late, but today, Trump became Defendant Trump. Now, Trump ambled his way into the courtroom in a blue suit and the proverbial red tie, and he pled not guilty to the 34 counts of falsifying business records in the first degree. And then he sat quietly between his team of incompetent lawyers as prosecutors explained the charges against him. He was a man alone. I mean, really alone. No family, no trusted aides, just lawyers and new lawyers, strange lawyers. So when Donald Trump picked his head up, he was looking, he's like, where are all my people? 
Trump was then told that he had committed the crime of falsifying business records to conceal an illegal scheme to undermine the integrity of the 2016 election. For the prosecution, Chris Conroy brought up a threatening emails and speeches that Trump's been making, saying that Trump had threatened Alvin Bragg and even the entire city of New York. But Trump's New York lawyer, Todd Blanche, lit into Alvin Bragg, who sat in front and myself for being the cause of so much publicity surrounding the case. He also brought up Mark Pomerantz, who had worked under Bragg and then quit the case before writing a controversial book on the subject. Trump's defense attorney said that the former president is entitled to discuss the case, but then conceded that Trump had responded forcefully because he is frustrated and upset. Judge Juan Marchand told the legal teams to instruct their witnesses to refrain from making statements that have the potential to incite violence and unrest and not to make statements that undermine the rule of law. Bragg obviously waited until all the elements came together before he brought this case to trial. I mean, there's evidence of a broader conspiracy having to do with the catch-and-kill scheme that David Pecker employed in the Karen McDougal case. The charges covered the hush money to both Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal. And they included campaign finance violations, federal and state tax violations as well. Mershon set the next in-person hearing for December 4th while the prosecution said that it was hoping to go to trial in January of next year, just about the time of the Iowa caucuses, where Trump is competing as a presidential candidate. Trump's lawyers suggested that they would seek to waive his right to appear at the December 4th hearing, citing the great expense to the city and security concerns involved with having him appear in court. Mershon acknowledged that Tuesday had been a huge ordeal for everyone involved, but that he still expected all defendants to appear in court, including high-profile ones. I mean, then Trump departed New York en route to Florida late Tuesday afternoon, as Alvin Bragg was making his statements. So split screens of the two events were on the news. One reporter saying it's like one man is taking a stand while the other is scurrying away. Now Trump is scheduled to give remarks addressing the charges at his Mar-a-Lago club later this evening. And as I'm sure he's going to do, he's going to bitch and complain and moan and say he's the victim. And of course he's going to continue, regardless of what Mershon said, to attack the district attorney, to attack me, to attack the prosecutors, to attack anyone that he deems to be a threat. I promise you, this was done before his speech, so I'm sure I'm going to be right. But most importantly, and as always, thanks for listening. Mea Culpa is brought to you by Audio Up, Midas Touch, and LSJ Media, written by Jimmy Jelinek and Paula Killen. Our editor and managing producer is Lisa Orkin. Our executive producers are Jared Gustat, Jimmy Jelinek, and myself, Michael Cohen, along with Phil Alberstadt. It may be a new day politically, but nowadays the landscape is more confusing than ever. 
Donald Trump may have lost the battle for the presidency, but in many ways, Trumpism is still winning the war on the state and local level. Maya Culpa is here to help guide you through the wilderness and keep you informed. And let's face it, we all want Trump, Rudy, and the rest of these seditious traitors to see justice. And folks, I promise you, it's coming. So stay tuned as I guide you through the twists and turns of the criminal process that will ultimately see them behind bars. Maya Culpa, nothing but the truth.